Hey, good morning, everybody. Did you survive your first week of summer? All right, some did. Some are like, I don't know. We're still trying to figure that out. Hopefully you did. Definitely looking forward to camp uh, this week. Come on, how many adults wish you were going to camp? You just want to get away from your kids, man. Love them kids. So excited uh, about that. And listen, Surge students, I have a, a word I want to share with you today at Surge just as we get ready to go to camp. So definitely looking forward uh, to that. And, um, you know, our church, I, I'm again, like Cynthia said, so thankful for people who gave to make it possible for kids to go to camp and taking care of the bus. So generous. Am I right? I mean, just I feel like we need to clap for that because that's worthy. And God's going to touch some lives this week. And so just so thankful. And then people who serve, man, just so thankful that there are people who have the heart for God, have the heart for God's house and serve all around the church and just so thankful for them. And I feel like we need to clap for them as well. Even in the, even in the travel season, even in the travel season, people are still serving. And, and if you would like to help us serve, we could definitely use your help. Make sure you head to the hub after service and say, hey, where can I help? And we will find a place that you can help this week. I, I got to make a confession to you this morning. Uh, so this past week on Monday, Cynthia and I did a date day. Uh, and so uh, June 1st was our, what was it, 27-year dating anniversary. Some of y'all ain't even 27 years old yet, you know what I'm saying? 27 years ago, I asked Cynthia to come over to my house and eat some Popeye's fried chicken and watch an LSU baseball game. Come on, man. That's how you go on a date, and that's how you're still married 27 years, 28 years. Man, we still go. I don't know how long we've been married forever. <laughs> Fried chicken and LSU baseball, still going. And we won, too. So, anyway. So, this week, we uh, we went and see a movie. We, how many of y'all remember Top Gun back in 80, 86? And so we went on Monday to see Top Gun Maverick, and I got a confession to make to you. I cried during the movie <laughs> twice. It was good, man, but I cried. And I feel better about things now. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel better. It was a cleansing. All right, let's jump into the Word of God. Some of y'all like, come on, preacher, do better, do better. Okay, First Chronicles chapter 29, let's go back. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Come on, how many of y'all can handle the Old Testament? Uh, I do want to make a, an announcement about the climate control in the room. I feel the need to, to talk about this um, because we get a lot of um, direction. Um, yeah. So there are two main uh, air units that blow in this room. There's one right here and one further in the back. And so um, the spot you sitting in may have a direct blow of air, but the spot a little further away may not have no airflow at all. Like when we got here this morning, it was 88 degrees in this room. Uh, you see, if it was 88, y'all be mad at us. But it's 68 right now. Come on, somebody put your hands together. Oh, that's the kind of church we got. That's why I got to preach like that, keep you from going to sleep. 
Anyway, let me tell you our flow so that you know, all right? I just feel like I got to share this. And those of you who are watching online, you do how you want at your house, but this is how we do it here. We, we freeze it out before you get here. If you hadn't been able to tell, you walk in, it's cold. So if you're a lady walking in with flip-flops and your little toes are showing because you got the little pedicure, manicure, all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be cold. But as service starts, we raise the temperature up. Amen. And so we're just trying to accommodate a wide variety of people who like it 78 and those who like it 58. I like it 58. I'm just saying. Anyway, just share that with you today. Look at your name and say, bless the Lord <laughs> and the preacher. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 through 15. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. I don't even feel like I dressed right to read this verse today. Probably should have put on some khakis. You know what I'm saying? In a dress shirt. But I got my jeans on today, so better behave. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Say everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. My goodness, we are here for only a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. Man, that's a verse of scripture right there. Am I right? You thought for summer we were going to just take it easy. And here we are with Chronicles. Let's go to Matthew 13. Got another one for you. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Today, we're going to kick off a new series called Summer School. I'm not talking about the one when you didn't do well in school. You ever been there? Summer School. Over the summer, we're going to talk about some biblical topics that I believe are going to make a difference in your everyday life. And on Sundays, whenever we come together, we make it our goal that we're going to have a time to celebrate. That's what we just did during worship. Just celebrate God, give Him some praise, but also have some time for some inspiration and some instruction. And if we do it well, a little perspiration. Am I right? Some of y'all in the back row are like, not in here, it's freezing. Sometimes you get a little more inspiration. Sometimes you get a little more instruction. But I'm praying that God turns the light on for you. 
gives you some revelation. Today, I'm going to kick off the summer school series and the message entitled, This is the Kingdom. We sang about it a minute ago, but I want to preach about it today. This is the kingdom. I probably won't finish today, so I have to finish next Sunday, but let's pray and we'll jump in. Y'all ready? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you that we can get together to come and worship you, but also, God, that we can come and hear from your word. And I pray, God, that it won't be my voice that is heard in this room, but, God, it'll be your voice. We come today because we need you. We need to hear you. We need to hear our Father speak to us. And so today I ask you, Father, through your spirit and through me, speak to your people. Let this message bring life. Let it bring hope. Let it bring change. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's talk about the kingdom of God a little bit. Surely you've read through the Bible before and saw different references to the kingdom of God. And this was one of the most talked about things that Jesus spoke about throughout the New Testament. He talked a lot about the kingdom. We don't, we, we, we don't capture that as much because we don't think in terms of kingdoms. Uh, the way our country is set up, it's not a kingdom. We are a democratic republic or whatever you want to call it or however they describe it to us in school. But it's supposed to be a democratic republic where you have re representatives who represent the people to make the laws and the rule of the land. But in other nations, there are kingdoms that are set up, and we've learned about them in our history classes. We learned about kingdoms. We learned about empires, and we typically don't have the best view of a kingdom because usually it's ruled by a dictator, and because there is a dictator, we don't like that because we like to do what we want to do. Am I right? Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't tell me what to do, unless it's your parent. <laughs> Because the parents say, I will tell you what to do. Some dude just told his wife that, and she just looked at him. <laughs> Praying for you, bro. So we, we're, we're not conditioned, and we're not used to this idea of, of a kingdom um, because of typically how they're ran, because of the dictatorships, and we like freedom. But the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing, the kingdom is different because it has a good king. It has a really good king that is full of love, full of mercy, full of grace, full of truth, and his name is Jesus. So Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. In fact, 13 parables, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, the kingdom is mentioned 162 times just in the New Testament. When you see the stats on this, it makes you realize this must be pretty important. Like, why am I not paying attention to the kingdom? Well, a lot of times we're not paying attention to the kingdom. It's because we got a lot going on in our own world. Am I right? Like, how many of y'all got something happening in your house, like, right now? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're trying to take care of what's in your house. And to talk about anything else makes you feel like, I just can't deal with that right now. But Jesus, even though people had things going on in their homes, going on in their lives personally, he comes and he is preaching about the kingdom of God. And I have found that this is one of the topics that a lot of believers do not have a lot of understanding for. Because they're not looking at Jesus as a Lord. They're just looking at him as help. 
Am I right? Jesus, come and help me. Like, I'm in trouble. Jesus, come help me. And so when we begin to present Jesus as a Lord, when we present him as a king, a lot of people like to back away because they think that Jesus is going to control them. And can I tell you that Jesus has never controlled anyone? And if any religion has ever led you to believe that Jesus was controlling, I'll just say it, they wrong. Can I get a better amen than that? Some of y'all aren't sure if we can amen that. Because it's like, wait a minute, if my grandma heard you say that, she would be mad at you. I like to use that little Santa Claus doctrine on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you ain't good, this bad is going to happen and that bad's going to happen. And Jesus is like, well, who's going to help you get good? And that's where the kingdom comes in. This is where the kingdom of God comes in. And Jesus was really intentional whenever he talked about the kingdom. He made sure that people had this understanding, and he used these parables to try to help them to see, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is. So you're sitting there saying, okay, I'm in school. Question, what do I need to know about the kingdom of God? Because I think we need to know where we belong. And this is something that people struggle with. We need to know where we belong, and we need to know to whom we belong. And this is a big question. Acceptance is one of the biggest issues in our lives. If you don't believe me, you checked yourself before you left today because you want to make sure that you didn't look like a mess. Am I right? Because you were thinking what people would think about you. And even the dude that said, I don't care what they think about you, thought what your wife was thinking about you. So you changed that shirt and you fixed that hair. Amen? We know. Look, don't act like it ain't happening at your house. Acceptance. It's a big thing. Here's what I need you to understand. As a believer, you do not belong to this world. Okay? Oh, I know you live in it, but you don't belong to it because you were bought with a high price. You were very valuable. So valuable that Jesus goes to the cross and gives his life for you. Okay? And Satan is doing every single thing that he can do to tempt you. He's doing everything he can to deceive you. He's doing everything he can to depress you so he can destroy you to keep you from seeing the kingdom of God. You can go all the way back to the garden, which is where it started. That serpent in the garden was trying to rob man of the kingdom of God. God had given man dominion over all the earth. And Satan came and tempted him, and when he tempted him, man surrendered to the temptation and forfeited his rule over the earth and handed it over to Satan. That's why the influence and the culture of the world is as strong as it is. It's because we surrendered it to Satan. I know, you don't want to hear that, so I was like, how can you say that Satan is the ruler of the world? Because he is. But you're saying, but that's just giving him more power. Hold on, hold on. Because you have to understand that God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. Like, we, we have to understand our doctrine. we got to understand our beliefs that God ain't scared. He ain't scared, y'all. Did your teacher ever tell you that in school? <laughs> you never had me. God loves us so much. This is what I, I, I got to get you to see this. He loves you so much that he sent a savior who came to seek and save those who are lost. Those who are trying to find where they belong. 
You don't belong in this world. You belong to him. And here's the thing. We will spend all of our lives trying to make it, trying to fit in, trying to be like everything in this world. And you will never, ever fit into it because this was not meant for you. The kingdom of God was meant for you. That's where you find the acceptance. That's where you find the purpose. That's where you find the life and the life abundantly that we are looking for. But we have been deceived to think that we could find it here in this world. And it's not found in this world. So you could say it like this. This world, the kingdom of this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're just passing through. This is the place where you make your decision. Earth is the place, when you're born, earth is the place that you make the decision about your eternity. This is the place. And it's your decision. You decide, do I want to do this God's way, or am I just going to do this? And you think I'm about to say the devil's way, but really, my way. And if we do it God's way, what do we promise? Eternal life. Think of this. The world, the temptations of the world are real, but yet the callings of God, the mercy and the grace of God is more real and more powerful even than the temptations of this world. Here's what I know, and I need you to see this. All of those temptations, all of those things that the devil tries to promise you if you say yes to him are temporary. But what God promises are eternal. It keeps going and going and going. So watch this. We have a heavenly home, and it's the kingdom of heaven, and we are a part of the kingdom of God. And I think there's a lot of people in here today trying to find where they belong, and they're looking in different places. Y'all remember that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? You want me to sing it? Almost did. Give me a guitar, Kevin. Going on tour, starting right here. Somebody else got to do summer school. I'm doing a summer tour. This is what I want you to know. You have a place that you belong. And Jesus has come looking for you. And it's interesting that he has come looking for us. And in a little bit, we'll read in Matthew 6 where he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. He's looking for us and he's asking us to look for him. And I just wonder, what are you looking for? Maybe you're a young person in here and you're trying to figure out life. What are you looking for? Maybe you're older, a few stages down the road in life, and you're still looking. The question is, what are you looking for? Are you findable? Are we lost in some things? I got lost in doing this. I got lost in doing that. The good news is the Father is looking for you today. But in what you're doing, are you looking for him? So let's talk about a few things about the kingdom of God. It was Jesus' first sermon. The first sermon that Jesus preaches. He comes up, he's water baptized, he starts preaching, starts his ministry, kicks it off. His first sermon title was about the kingdom. And this is what he says, Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
This is the first message that he begins to preach. Is that, hey, it's time for change because heaven is now here. What you have been looking for has shown up. What you have always needed, what you have always wanted, what you have been searching for high and low. In fact, we look for things we don't even know that we're looking for. Jesus said, it's here. But in order for you to obtain it, there are some changes that must take place. What I love about this verse is Jesus didn't begin his ministry with a threat. Notice that he did not put out a sign that says, repent or you're going to hell. That's not what he said. He said, repent because heaven's here. Isn't that a better deal? And and a lot of times there have been these firestone, fire and firestone's a tire, fire and brimstone. Come on, we rolling today. You got a little dad joke. Father's Day's coming up. Uh, Fire and brimstone, they like to just throw the threat on the other side of it. And listen, hell is real. It's a real place, and unfortunately, people are going to go to hell. And I hate to even say that, but they don't have to because there is a heaven. And Jesus said, hey, you make a change, we're doing heaven. And he came inviting us. He issues an invitation, not a threat. He comes issuing a promise saying, if you repent of your sins, change the way you think, change the way you live, heaven is at hand for you. Heaven is within your reach. And I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. Amen. Another thing about the kingdom of God, it was his teaching on prayer. When Jesus, the people said, Lord, teach us how to pray the Our Father. You know the prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He gets to the part where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever he gives us this prayer and he's teaching us to pray, he's saying pray for the kingdom to come and pray for his will to be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Now, how many of you, you would raise your hand today and say, Pastor, I have arrived. I have no issues. I got it all together. And if anybody needs advice, come see me. I can help you. Anybody in the room like that? No one here like that. But how many of us are working on some things? I'm not staying where I was. I'm working on some things. Your kingdom come. Jesus showed up. Your will be done. We working on it. On earth as it is in heaven. I know I got some earthly moments. You ever had some earthly moments in your reactions to some things? How many of you ever had some heavenly moments? My recommendation is have more heavenly moments than earthly moments. I'm helping you today. So when he gives this instruction of how to pray, he's saying, you want to pray for my will to be done. Why is that? Because his way, his will is the best for you. And anything, let me say it like this, anything other than God's will for your life is not the best. It is not. It may be good, but it ain't the best. And so many times we settle for good because we don't want to change. We'd rather continue to live the way that we've lived, and we settle for good, but we claim to be the best. So a lot of people claiming to be the best, which is why Jesus was so generous and so gracious to the meek, to the least of these. He was so gracious and generous to them. 
Because in the world's eyes, they didn't look like anything great. But in the eyes of God, he said, that is great. What is it about this world that drives us, that pushes us, that makes us believe that we've got to do all these things in order to be somebody, in order to be something, when God all alone says, you're already something, because I created you. I think about Jesus before he even began his ministry, at his baptism. Now, understand this. When Jesus was baptized, he was like 30. And some of you are like, well, I'm waiting until I'm 30 to get baptized. And some of you are double 30 and still haven't been baptized yet. It's time, okay? When Jesus comes out of the water from his baptism, the Bible says that a dove descended from heaven upon him. And the voice of the Father spoke, and he says this. This is what he says. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let me translate that into our language. That's my boy, and I'm proud of him. But here's the thing. He hadn't done anything yet. No miracles yet, y'all. No sermons yet. Nothing. I'm proud of you because you are my son. Watch this. You belong to me. I want you to think about the affirmation that Jesus receives from his father that day. Some of you just hearing that is like, give me the mic, preacher, and let me preach this thing. You don't even know what you're going to say, but you feel like it because affirmation just awakens something in you, and you know who you belong to. It brings this sense of energy. It brings this sense of pride, the good kind of pride. You know what I'm talking about? And it makes you believe we can do anything. And so here is Jesus who has not even done a miracle yet, and the Father saying, that's my boy. I'm proud of him. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness. And he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And guess what one of those temptations were? If you bow down and worship me, Satan said, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. I will give you everything the world has to offer if you bow down and worship me. And the reason I feel such a need to share about the kingdom of God is if Jesus is tempted to forfeit the kingdom of God, you and I will be tempted to forfeit it as well. And Jesus said, no, no, I'm not bowing down to you for something that my father has created. Come on, somebody. The kingdom of God, this was his teaching. And when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, what he was saying is, we're not finished yet. That's what he was saying. Here's another thing about the kingdom. It was his priority. Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And some of you are like, what are all these things? All these things are all the things that we're trying to do with our lives. That we're trying to achieve, we're trying to accomplish, we're trying to accumulate, we're trying to get all of this stuff in our lives, and we're stressing out about it, and we're worrying about it. If you go read Matthew 6, Jesus is just taking the time to tell his disciples, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like, but Jesus, we hungry. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But Jesus, my kids ain't got no clothes to wear. Don't worry about it. And I know you're saying that's irresponsible, Pastor Ray. Hey, don't look at me. Jesus the one who said it. I'm just telling y'all what he said. 
Matthew 6, he goes through the entire chapter telling them, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about anything. And then he sums it up by saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And it leads me to believe that we're stressing about things that he already has taken care of. But I know you're sitting there and you you're arguing with me. I feel your tone. I feel it. <laughs> the way you're looking at me, you're like, oh, I can tell you a few things, Pastor Wade. A moment ago you wanted to preach and now you want to rant. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I know. Trust me, if you only knew the conversation that goes on in this mind sometime. We're worried about it because we don't see it from a kingdom perspective. Because we don't see God as good, we think that he would let us starve. Because we don't see him as a father. We see him as a judge. We see him as a judge. And because we see him as a judge, we hear the word judgment, and all we think is bad. The judge is going to make his judgment. I need to share good news with you today, though, because there are court cases in which the judge issues a judgment and sometimes the judgment is actually good. And I know all the time we hear about judgment from the Bible and it's always bad. But there is some good judgment as well. Amen. And if we can see that God is a father who loves us so much that he sends his best, Jesus. If we can see that he will provide. If we can see that he loves us so much that he's not going to let you go without we wouldn't worry about it, but we worry about it because we don't see him as father. So we take on the role that's rightfully his. That's why we struggle. That's why we're not enough. You never will be enough. We put other people in those roles. And we put other people in those roles. They always let us down. It's because they ain't God. Amen? How many of y'all know somebody who ain't God? I know, right? I ain't God. I'm Wade. That's it. That's all I got. And I need God. Amen? Amen. And so do you. It was his priority. And so Jesus said, make seeking the kingdom your priority and all. Say all. 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 Not some, but all will be added unto you. And this is hard because we like to say, well, my priorities are God first, then my family, then my work, and then all the others. I don't know. somewhere in there. That's what we like to say. But are we truly seeking God first? Like, is he really the go-to? Like, is he really, really, really the go-to? Or is he just the add-on? See, we operate more from, okay, we got this kingdom, but I need to add all this stuff to my life so that I measure up. If I add all this, then I'll measure up and be good enough for God. And can I tell you that nothing that you add up is going to be good enough for God because none of that gives you value. God, this is so much better. Man, none of that gives you value. Who you are in Christ is where the value comes from. And we have a hard time seeing that because we're living in the world. We're living in the world and so we don't understand value. You know, there's cheap stuff in the world. Y'all know that? Anybody ever paid a lot of money for something only to find out that it was cheaply made? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever bought some furniture and left a glass of water on it overnight and the next day it swelled up and got big and you paid a lot of money for it? You know what you found out? It was a veneer. Some of you are like, what's a veneer? It's fake. (laughs) It's a strip of wood on top of this sawdust that was glued together. And the glue got wet. And because it got wet, it expanded. And now that piece that you paid a lot of money for is worth nothing. Y'all been there. The world, it puts a veneer on top of everything and tells you it's the best. Because it can't create. All it could do is imitate. But God is the creator. And so everything he makes is the real deal. Come on. That's good. The kingdom, it was his priority. Here's the next thing. It was the parables he told. Mark 4, verse 30, he says, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Jesus was intentional about helping us to understand the kingdom of God. Watch this. It was even his defense, by the way. When he stood before Pilate and he's questioned before he, he's to be led to the cross. And Pilate's like, who are you? What are you all about? This is what he says in John 18. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, watch this. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, you better believe there would be a bunch of people fighting to shut this thing down. But my kingdom's not of this world. That's why y'all can't understand. This is what he's trying to help them see. You can't understand what I'm doing because you think the way the world thinks. You don't understand things like sacrifice. You roll with things like self. And Jesus said, what I'm about to do is sacrifice. It's different than the world. This was his defense when he's standing before the person who makes the decision if he's going to be crucified or not. And Jesus says, you you don't get it. I'm not trying to do something from the world. I'm doing something for the kingdom that's going to affect the world. So let's define the kingdom, okay? Let's break it down so I can define it to you. A lot of times people think the kingdom of God as just the place of heaven, okay? Or they think of it as the church. Both true, but not complete. Okay, it is true. Heaven is included in the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. It's included. The church is included in the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in. Look at your other neighbor and say, I think. (laughs) The kingdom of God is not a physical place, though. And this is why it gets a little bit challenging. Uh, A working definition of God's kingdom from a biblical perspective, sounds like this. It's God's universal and eternal reign as creator and Jesus' complete work as redeemer. It's his rule and reign as the creator because God made it all. Amen? I know they tried to teach us something else in that class, but God made it all. Amen? He did. Learn it so you make an A on your tests, but believe that God made it all. Amen? That's good parenting right there. Okay? But it's also Jesus' complete work as a redeemer. Because if we go back to the garden, remember, man surrendered over all his dominion for sin. And so now Jesus comes as a redeemer to restore it back. It's coming back to us. 
And it's been a process of restoration since Jesus died on the cross. The resurrection was a huge moment because Satan's like, look, I defeated man in the garden, and now I defeated another man right here, the man of God. I've defeated him on the cross. But then there was the resurrection, and Satan wasn't defeated. Satan was defeated. Jesus overcame what man gave into on the cross so that you and I could be restored and renewed and put in the place to have dominion over things in our lives. So that thing that seems like it has control over you, it doesn't have to have control over you because from kingdom thinking, we have authority over it through Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, it's interesting when you talk about authority because a lot of people like to flaunt authority when they're trying to tell someone else what to do. You know what I'm saying? Like when you got a kid just acting a fool, I have the authority of the Lord Jesus with me, child. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's exercise some authority with some language. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Amen. Mm. <laughs> he restores it. And so, so many people are like, well, how come I don't live like that? How come I can't experience that? How come I can't do that? And now we start classifying people. Oh, well, this person is more spiritual than me. And God gives them favor. And so they have the open portal to heaven over their life, but I'm not there yet. This is what we do. We classify. I'm not, I'm not one of them like expressive worshipers. You know what I'm saying? I'm one of them observant worshipers. I'm worshiping the Lord in my way. Like we, we, we classify. We go into the different ways of why it is the way it is when really it's a kingdom kind of thinking that we're lacking. Because if we saw it from the kingdom, we would understand that God is in control. That, that, that two years ago, God didn't get bumped off the throne because something happened in our world. He's still on the throne, y'all. He really is. And just because crazy things happening in our world, it doesn't mean, listen, crazy things happen in your house. Crazy things happen in your house and you still say you're running it, right? And there comes a day where you step in and say, that's enough. At least that's how it worked in my house. And we shut it down. Change happens. God is still in control. Amen. God is still a provider. Yeah, but if he was a provider, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do it? He probably didn't think you needed it. Amen. God is still in control. He's still on the throne. And if we can see things from his perspective, I want you to know today it would change the way that we live as believers, which is why I wanted to talk to you about this. So God is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. The kingdom of God transcends time and space and place. It transcends it all. So it's eternal and it's unlimited. And since day one, the kingdom of God has been under attack but even though it's been under attack by Satan, here's some good news. It's still advancing. Do you know that the church globally is still advancing today? Did you know that? I know you see things on TV and you would think, oh, the church has fallen apart. The church is not falling apart. Are there crazy people in the church? Don't look at your neighbor. 
don't look at them. There are crazy people everywhere. But the church is still thriving. It is still going. Churches are rolling, y'all, all over the world. Why? Because he's the king. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, hold on. Before you just look at it as an institution, you've got to take it personal. Because if you're a believer, you are part of the church. And so that means if the church is advancing, you can advance too. And the gates of hell does not have to prevail against you. Somebody's going to feel un unstoppable in here today. Come on. So Jesus said this about the kingdom. Because people are like, where's it at? Where's it at? He said, the kingdom is within us. Boy, doesn't that sound like one of them wisdom people? Like a philosopher. It is within you. <laughs> it's like Star Wars or, or Avengers or something like that. Oh, it is within you. And so when Jesus says it, we, 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 isn't it funny how we connect it with those kinds of things? And we, we don't think of what it really means. It means that the rule, his authority, his reign, it starts in the heart of man. So like there's a lot of people that want to see things change in a nation. But I don't want to change anything in their heart. And just get mad at the people who won't change everything in the nation without changing nothing in the heart, without changing nothing in the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know there's things that need to change in our world, but it's going to happen when hearts change, y'all. That's when it's going to happen. So what did Jesus say? That he would write his laws on our heart. He would write it on our heart. In other words, his reign with love, grace, mercy would be so impressionable and influential on our heart that it righteous living would come from within us. But we continually try to find it on the outside. But he said, I will write it on your heart. He's telling you that the kingdom is found in your heart. It's easy to observe everybody else and say, look what they're doing. Look what he's doing. Look at this church. Look at that person. Look at this person. They call themselves a Christian. Oh, you're really a Christian? Well, look how you do. Look how you act. I'm going to stop. Look at your heart. Have you allowed him to write his laws on your heart? Because it's out of the heart that the behavior is going to come. It's out of the heart that the language is going to come. It's out of the heart. And sometimes because we've been hurt, we don't like anyone messing with our heart. But the one person that we have to allow into our heart is Jesus. And it's funny because I remember as a little kid, they would ask us about our salvation this way. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Y'all remember that? Let's pray and ask Jesus into our hearts. And then the mean theology people said, stop praying that with the kids. going to lead them to believe that they're saved when they're not really saved. They have to do all these other things. It starts in the heart. See, we measure so much by behavior. But God's looking at the heart. We measure so much by appearance. God measures the heart. If we measured the people that we love by their heart, we would love them more. Am I right? Because that's how we want people to see us, right? 
oh, I know, behavior's got to change, and there's a place for that. But so many times we're trying to manage other people's behavior, and we hadn't even managed our own heart yet. Jesus says, hey, open the door, let me in, and let me write this on your heart. So I'm going to give you three things today, and next week we're going to do some more, but I want to give you three things today. In the kingdom, number one, Jesus is king, okay? He's king of kings, and he's Lord of lords. And, and, and again, you say, well, that sounds like a dictatorship. Well, I, I need you to see that the way Jesus rules is different because he doesn't use control. He gives us free will. And everybody's like, hey, man, I'll just do whatever I want. <laughs> no, you get to choose to do the right thing. Amen. Jesus is the king. He's king of kings and lords of lords. That means he is king over all. He's Lord over all. All right? No matter who or what it, what it is, he is still the king. He is still the Lord. The second thing in the kingdom, the Holy Spirit is the power. It's the Holy Spirit that's the power. So the world has a governmental system to control. Okay? Think of this. A temptation is an invitation to something that's going to wind up controlling you. Because isn't that what sin does? It controls us. Anybody ever said, oh, I, 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 got, I just got a little profanity problem. I'm sorry, it's been like that for a long time. And you're trying to stop? Do you just turn it off or is it some work? Because one day somebody pulls out in front of you and you're like three months down the road. You're like, oh man, I'm sober in my profanity. And then somebody pulls out in front of you and then there it goes. And the little kid in the back seat, like, what did you just say? I love you. <laughs> so the world, it operates with control. But the kingdom, led by the Holy Spirit, guides, directs, convicts, comforts, gives wisdom. Why is that? Because God wants you to make it. He wants you to make it. And all of this is in the context of the kingdom. Jesus is the king, and he's in authority. And he got authority back when he went to the cross, okay? And so now he has all authority, and he gives us the spirit to help us in our weakness because he knows that we're weak. So we make the decision, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but this is hard. And Jesus says, I got you. So he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness. And then number three, in the, in the kingdom, there is the church. And the church is the people. Amen? That's us. We are the church. And so the church is those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and trust him as their Lord. And so Jesus is like, I want you to make it so much that I'm going to handle the dirty work for you. I'm going to go to the cross and pay the price. I'll pay the price. We're in control. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you because we know that you're weak, but that's okay. You're not going to be weak in this anymore because my spirit is going to help you. And better yet, i got a family of believers that you can roll with so that you can keep going because there's a lot of work we got to do. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The church is all about your kingdom come and your will be done. And church, we got a lot of kingdom work to be done. A lot of kingdom work to be done. But we won't do it if we're not seeking the kingdom. 
again, listen, I need you to see the kingdom of this world is not all the filth and all the sin and everything that's out there. The kingdom of this world can be defined in one word, and it is self. 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 It's all about me. Think about that. It wrecks more marriages, breaks down more homes, interferes in more companies, breaks up some of the best teams, broke up some of the best bands in history. I mean, we go down the list of all the effects of selfishness and what it has done. And the kingdom is much more than self. It's thinking more than just yourself. So many people are looking for a place to belong, and they're trying to find it by fulfilling self, selfish desires, selfishness, selfish, selfish. They get in a relationship, and the relationship doesn't work, and we don't understand why. Was it selfishness? Was it self? We get offended and won't forgive. Why? We know we're supposed to, but why won't we? Because self. So there's the kingdom of God, and we can say it like this, the kingdom of self. And Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, make the kingdom of God your main priority and all these other things that you're worried about, stressed about, overwhelmed with, I'm going to add it to you. Whatever we do, don't treat Jesus as just an add-on in your life. Don't just treat him as, oh, I go to church. Oh, I prayed when I was a kid. Uh -uh, No, no, no. Is he the Lord of your life? Every head bowed, every eye closed today. The kingdom of God is the place to belong. And today, he's knocking on the door of your heart. And he says, if anyone opens the door, I will come in. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you opened your heart and allowed him to come in? be the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you allowed him to come in and write his ways, his will, his laws on your heart? There's so much more for your life when you submit your life to Jesus. And if you don't know him today as your Lord and Savior, today can be the day. In fact, there's people you need it to be here today. You need it to be here specifically for this moment right here. Because maybe you've been running like a wanderer trying to find something. And you didn't even know what you were looking for. But today he found you. I want to lead us all in a prayer together this morning as a church. But this is for you specifically. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud. Say, Dear Lord. Thank you for loving me even when I didn't consider you, even when I didn't know you. Thank you for going to the cross to take on the punishment that I deserve for my sins so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you for opening the door and inviting me in to be a part of your kingdom so that I can once and for all find the place that I belong 
to be with you. I ask you today to be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. And I choose now to follow you, to follow your ways. I make it my priority that I will seek you first. And I will live according to your ways. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.